0: Ladies and gentlemen, are you sick of hearing about sledging, flying under the radar, and just taking it one week at a time? Well you've come to the right place. The Gumshoe Sports Report is here to cut through the rubbish and give you unfiltered hard facts. Failing that, you can listen to two blokes whose faces absolutely fit for radio as they give you their own sizzling hot take on every good sport. And to kick things off, here's your host, Marcus Wilson. Thank you Bianca, well it's been another big week in sport so let's get things started. G'day Chris. Hi Marcus, welcome back, good to have you back. Thank you very much. Chris, uh, the trade period in the AFL finishes this week and I've been very impressed with how you have got your hands in, ripped out the guts of it and looked all over every pick, every team and how they've gone. Pick five, pick 15
1: are the big ones, Yep, but we'll get to those later. So Can I just start by apologising to the people of the Amazon because I think I've destroyed half of their rainforest with the <laughs> amount of paper that I've printed there off this are, week.
0: There are a lot of numbers here. There are a lot of names. What's the What's the big one that you want to talk about first?
1: All right, I'll start off with, from a local point of view, we've got the two local boys, uh, Locotius and Rankin. They're the talking point from, from our point of view, and... I'll be honest, from a selfish point of view, I thought, yep, Crows have got lots of picks in the first round. We're in the box seat. We're all good. And then Port came in with a sneaky little snake move, which I actually really like. Um, So they gave up about 400 picks between pick 20 and pick 50 Mm -hmm. um, so they could get their hands on Frio's pick six. So with them having the highest pick, that probably puts them in the box seat. Um, So at the moment as it stands, they've got six and ten. That might be enough to get them up to maybe Gold Coast three. We're hearing St Kilda's number fours on the table. Um, five we'll talk about a bit later on because that that is going to be the easy pick. the easy number because that's going to be changing hands everywhere. Um, so if Port can upgrade those two into a into a better position, they at least get their hands on one of the local boys. The Crows have got four picks inside 21 but it's like it's 8 13 16 and 21 so they're not not as enticing no they're not but they may have to give up all four of those just to get two half decent ones mm. so but we'll it's it's really up for grabs at the moment so um that's sort of been the talking point for me port's also in a good position so before you jump in mm. they've also with the Chad potentially leaving um, 15 Hawthorne's pick 15 is is on the table as well so they could potentially have 6 10 and 15 in the next couple of days so um, it seems like I don't know if it's the first
0: time but it seems like a, a long time since we've seen the Crows and Power so focused and directed towards making their way up the draft order for a particular one or two players it's it's incredible how much attention is on these guys.
1: Well, it's the first time that we've had probably a couple of local boys that are really right up the pointy end of getting picked. Uh, picked. Um, we have sort of had a couple that you go, oh, yeah, they're, they're good picks, and they end up going at like 10, 12, 15. But these are guys that could go – I mean, the talk is that Carlton are pretty keen on this Walsh kid, so I would imagine that he's going to go one, but – Koshin and Rankin could go two and three. There are a couple of um, uh, Victorian boys, King brothers, Max, and I think it's Stephen, but I might just be reading too many books uh, to <laughs> think that it's Stephen. But um, Max is definitely one of them, and I know there's a few Victorian teams that are pretty keen on them. They may come in at um, two and three, and if Gold Coast get the two brothers, then suddenly four and five become... Really, really important for the two South Australian teams because if they're both, if both the South Australian boys are up for grabs at four and five, if the deal doesn't get done before Wednesday night, there's live trading during the draft for the first time, and that could see teams doing all sorts of crazy things. And the Saints have said four is on the table if there's, you know, they get enough enough deal for it. So
0: that that's another interesting point. It's funny, Lukosius. I I watched him in the Sandful Final series, and I didn't. He didn't jump out, out of all the players on the field as this dominant force, but I guess the, the people that know can see what he'll be like in a couple of years. He's a very lean guy. I, I wouldn't yeah. expect him to be
1: straight into a senior side. Well, one of the guys on uh, Trade Radio this week gave Jack Watts a bit of a whack because they mm. sort of said that um, a lot of people have been care- uh, comparing Lacocious to Jack Watts. And he goes, oh, yeah, they play sort of similar roles, but um, Lococious is a bit more, he's more willing to get um, some body contact <laughs> than Jack Watts is. And I'm like, wow, that's a bit, uh, Jack Watts probably crying in the corner from that. But um, I watched the under-18s, I watched, I think, three of the South Australian games, and he looked pretty good mm. against kids his own age. Yeah. So it's always a bit hard to tell when you've got 18-year-olds playing, particularly in the S N F L yeah. where there's not a real lot of twenty, twenty-one year olds playing. It tends to be quite older-bodied guys, mm-hmm. so they, they can get sometimes a bit lost, particularly if you're playing a key position. But, yeah, I wonder... What, the other one is Rosie, um, the North Adelaide boy, I think he is, um, who played a bit of a role in the finals. I wonder whether that's what the Crows probably need more than Lukosius. Lukosius... It's always one of the, you're torn as a club. Do you pick the best talent or do you pick your for your needs? Um, so I think Rosie probably fits what the Crows need more, but Lukoshi is the best talent. So um, do you just pick him and and think, well, how how much longer are Jenkins and what um, Walker going to be hanging around? It might be one of those two or three years and. Um, if it ends up being him and Fogarty in a forward line, that's a that's probably a pretty decent mm. forward line in, in five years' time. So, um, watch this space. I guess we'll we'll see what happens. A tick for Port Adelaide with uh, getting Scott Lysert. Yep, we've we've
0: discussed it before that it'll be a challenge to get him and Ryder working in the way they want. But I, I think the last week or so for Port Adelaide has been a PR disaster. One of the few positives that you'd put. Port Adelaide clearly in front of the Crows in the last few years has been their transparency, being upfront, and and just really putting it all out on the table and saying this is
1: how it is. And their ability to recruit, like recruit talent. In, yeah, and the Crows have relied on doing the best trade they can for the people departing, mm. whereas Port don't seem to have that that issue. They they're recruiting people in.
0: But I feel like there's a real stench about this Chad Wingard situation. We've chatted about it before. Is he, was he given a push? Was he, the club is saying we we encouraged him to to look at his options, get out there. But there seems now to be a bit of animosity between Chad Wingard and Port Adelaide. You can't really see uh, a redeemable relationship there. The Porter still sitting on that Ryan Burton pick 15 sort of deal. But it, from a power supporter point of view, I would have loved for the club to say, "These are our—you know—we've got some issues between ourselves and Chad Wingard." Or uh, if they'd said, "Look, we don't believe the squad we have at the moment is going to cut it. It's not going to win a premiership in the next three years. So we are starting from scratch." I'm sorry, you're going to go through a bit of pain, but we are
1: re- pressing the reset button. None of that's come out. It's all been.
0: I don't Plink, think you Plink could. Pre- I don't
1: think you could press a reset button after the trade you did last year. I think mm. they need to fine tune what they did last year. And I, I mean, I was I was really surprised. I didn't. What I mean, I'm not a Port fan, so I don't watch all their games. Mm. But I was really surprised when I heard that he finished sixth in the best and fairest because mm. I didn't see a great deal of forward pressure from him this year. When he got put in the midfield, the games that I saw, he looked like he made an impact. Yeah, but. He he's not he's I don't know if he doesn't have the taint to s- stay in the midfield or whether they're keen to just keep him up forward mm. and use him in bursts. But when he goes forward, he becomes a non presence. Mm. Um and the the goal kicking sneak that we saw sort of two or three years ago isn't isn't there anymore. Mm. Um so I was kinda of surprised he finished that high and then it sounds like he got a bit of a whack at the at the exit interview. Yeah. So Whether he sort of got his back up about that as well and then the Instagram post that Andy and I spoke about last week, that was weird because I don't know that if you come out and say my side of the story will come out, would suggest that there's another side of the story that's come out and there hasn't been. Like Port Port haven't said anything. Like I don't think Port have said anything bad. I think it's just the situation is obviously a bit toxic and...
0: But I don't think Port Adelaide ever said, we desperately want him to stay. They said, oh, well, it's up to Chad to say if he wants to stay or go. And until that point, we expect him to be with us for 2019. That seemed to be the line they were towing. And it's left Port Adelaide supporters just... Uh, I've spoke. I've spoken to you, I've spoken to my partner. From people outside the club, they see him as, well, he's so patchy, it... it He's got the potential, but he's so patchy. But as a Port Adelaide supporter, he seems like uh, a match winner, a match breaker, and more explanation is needed, definitely, to appease Port Adelaide fans.
1: I don't think you get it, no, because um, I, I don't know what, with the exception of appeasing people that don't uh, how do I say this without sounding like it's crass, but meatheads or no, no, it's. It, it doesn't matter what the supporters think. Yeah. These guys are running a football club to for their own purposes. You think winning premierships, but you can't win the premiership every year. So whether they're, they've got a plan on how they're getting to the next premiership and whether that's in two years' time with a top-up or it's five, six years' time with, well, let's get some bigger bodies in to help the younger kids and we actually think the younger kids are the ones that are going to win us the next mm. flag. Um, and whether this falls into that, well, if Chad's decline from two or three years ago is mm. sort of going to be a bit of a steady one now, let's get rid of him while we've got a bit of um, – like while we can get something for him. Because if he go, like, I think he's a restricted free agent next year. Yes. So yep. if he goes next year and they get a first-round draft pick, that's all they're going to get. At the moment, Porter saying we want a first-round draft pick Ryan Burton and possibly something else, which I think is massive overs for Chad Wingard. Mm. But, like, I would think that Wingard and Burton, I still think Port wins out of that, but Port supporters seem to seem to think that he's worth a bit more, which I kind of think, well, it was All-Australian, but it was two years
0: ago. He and was- it is funny, looking over the fence, that Hawthorne supporters are horrified that that could be a, a possible swap, so... Interesting times at Port Adelaide, but I just think there needs to be a little bit of a stronger message of where they're going because it seems like they're just uh, losing players left, right, and centre. And but, I mean, why, why not delist your captain, Travis Spoke, if if you don't think this is the future?
1: Just get rid of all the old blokes and and start again. That'd be hilarious if they did that. But <laughs> um, but I kind of think I don't. I I think Port's one of those clubs that can't really afford to bottom mm. out and stink, they mm. need to like if they came out and said, Right, we think our premiership window is going to be in five years time, what's going to happen to your membership in the next three years? Like if it falls off the cliff, that's not that's not ideal. That's not good for you guys. So um the Crows are sort of in a bit more of a have a bit more of luxury that they're going to get a bunch of like old nanas are going to go every year regardless <laughs> of of what's going on. They'll they'll have their their crowds to each game, but we've seen before if ports sort of start to fall off the cliff a bit, the numbers start to drop off and if they're flying, um, then the numbers sort of pick up. So they kinda of need to be need to be up there all the time. So um Well on a brighter note, I think
0: Adelaide did really well in the Mitch McGovern situation. Yep. They they seem to be painted into a corner. He wanted out and the blues have responded with a pretty good Trade, I reckon.
1: Yeah, well, I was surprised that we got as as good a deal as we got. So we ended up with we, like I'm part of it. Um, <laughs> you are. Uh, the Crows got pick 13 and uh, McAdam from Sturt. Um, he's Gilbert McAdam's nephew, mm. as my understanding is. So I'm, with- I'm going to call him Gilbert because it's the <laughs> only McAdam I know. <laughs> that's good. Um, but that's a good pick. But uh, I, I sort of... I look at Carlton and go, "You've got these compensation picks for SNFL top-up players because you're hopeless. Why are you trading them away? And a pick thirteen so you've given away your first one of your first-round draft picks, and someone who's supposed to help you for a single player. It's not, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I don't think these players should be allowed to be traded myself, but." From a Crow's point of view, I think that I like um, McGovern. I think he's a good player, but I think he's like a third or fourth attacking option, which in Carlton's point of view is probably where he'll still fit in. I have heard talk that they're going to play him across like centre half back or across the half back line, which I think would be a mistake, but you've got. Trying to replicate his brother. Well, I I don't know. The Crows tried it this year when he was a bit out of form. They put him back there to try and get him in the game a bit. But if you've got um, McKay up there, who great mark but can't kick, um, and Kurnow, I would think that you'd have to put a taller body on McKay because he can take a mark. It kind of leaves McGovern in the same spot as in the Crows. Now, whether he thinks that Carlton... uh, are on the way up and they're more likely to win a flag. I don't see it myself. I think I think Carlton are a mess. I'm willing to put my Collingwood jinx on the <laughs> Carlton issue, so they'll probably win the flag next year. But I I just don't see Carlton being anywhere near it. And if they're they're already talking about this Sam Walsh kid, basically Dangerfield came out this week and said that Sam Walsh could have played AFL football this year. he's Body is ready for it, but they've got a swathe of pick one picks and like top three picks that are running around. That and they're spuds; they're not particularly good. So um, they're not. There's not a team full of young crip's coming through. I, I don't think so. I kind of look at them and go, I don't think. I think still think they're five years away. Chris, before we get to the hot potato of pick five that I
0: know you've really delved into and, this, and looked at, yeah, are you comfortable? with the balance between players and clubs, it seems to have flipped again and contracts mean nothing. Yeah. And I'm feeling a bit uncomfortable that nothing seems certain. The players seem to want to have that freedom, but it really erodes the, at least the... Um, the trust the, that the, you sh- have in the players yeah, signing and the a sh- and the charade that the players are there believing in the movement of a club, mm. when really it seems like... The majority of them of them are there for the best deal. That That's fine, and, and maybe we'll have to deal with that. But this year just feels an uncomfortable feeling where a contract means nothing. So if you think you've committed a play and you've locked it in, it's garbage. It's nothing.
1: Well, I kind of think it's, you're right, it's gone too far. I, I get, not annoyed, it's not probably the right word, but I sort of think that if the players want to just disregard contracts, then I don't see why the clubs can't disregard them and just trade them on and go like down. They either need to go down the American path and go, right, the players are an asset and they are an asset to be traded. So it doesn't matter whether you agree to go to Frio. We're sending you to Frio and we're going to get a pick back. And if you don't like it, then tough. Yeah. And that's the price you pay for Mitch McGovern being five minutes into a four-year deal and going, no, I want out. Yeah you go, Well, you signed a contract like five minutes ago. Like what?
0: So it'd be like a money ball situation where you see blokes on the phone, blokes are packing their bags within minutes.
1: Yeah. So if Hawthorne want to give up Ryan Burton, they don't need to go and ask Ryan Burton, mm. "Do you want to go to Port Adelaide?" They go, "Here's our picks: fifteen and Burton are going to Port, and Port are getting and Hawthorn are getting Wingard." That's like I, I kind of I don't mind that. Uh, I know the players are gonna protest heavily against that but there needs to be a balance so you either need to go down the full US path where you're an asset or you sign a contract and while the contract is there you are untouchable um, at all but I think this also comes down to the clubs the clubs don't put their foot down Mm. Um, I think it'll take a club to go and this year look at Dane Beams they got him up they paid the world for him Family reasons Collingwood let him go that's fine he's now saying family reasons he wants to go back to Melbourne no no mm. your family was in Brisbane and mm. I understand you your father passed away and that you're probably more comfortable now down there but too bad like you got your one family reason to go leave home pass, yeah. yeah leave past now you don't have one left you got we'll trade you to Collingwood when we want to trade you to Collingwood and you can want all you want but you're staying. That, that's what I'd be doing if I was Brisbane. I'd mm. be... If Collingwood want him, they can pay for him. They can pay overs like Brisbane had to pay overs to Collingwood mm. to get him. And the this um, compassionate grounds... It, no, you don't get two compassionate grounds yep. to change states. You get one. Yep. It's the same with Pollock. Pollock was desperate to come yeah. home, wanted to be with family... Someone offered him a big contract. Bang, he's gone. <laughs> so, obviously, his reason to be with family was because he didn't want to be in Brisbane. So, yeah, exactly, and they're they're two different two different things. And I don't know um, the West Coast CEO Nisbet came out this week and said, "I think the go home factor is a is a crock. There are some genuine cases, which just happened to be Tim Kelly, who he wants to get across yeah. back from Geelong, but he seemed to think that there were a couple, but. I and I tend to agree with him a bit is that I think it's more players aren't happy where they are rather than desperately wanting to go mm. somewhere particular. So and if you do if you are Dane Beams and you want to go home to Victoria who cares if you nominate Collingwood there is like there's eight teams there. You yep. can go to Richmond, you can go to I don't care. You can go to the Bulldogs and mm. you can stink and play in a stinky team for five years. I mean, that's, all the laugh,
0: that's the laughable point. If you, you're you going home for family reasons, it should be, I want to be picked up by any Victorian club because that is where I want to go. But when they are directing it towards a certain club, it's, And you
1: can say, I want to go to Collingwood. Yeah. Cool. Great. We'll try and get a deal done with Collingwood. But if we don't, you're going to the Bulldogs and you're going to like it. Mm. Um, and if you really want to go home for family reasons, then... A 35-minute drive across Melbourne is much easier than a four-hour flight from Brisbane to Melbourne. And so giving
0: you back and forth across the country anyway.
1: Uh, the other aspect that
0: I find the balance, the uneasy balance, is that free agency, I guess it's human nature or club nature to manipulate the rules. So it was based on, you know, Chad Wingard will be out of contract and a restricted free agent at
1: the end of next year. But they're bringing it forward. They're just... It's called pre-agency. It's pre-agency. We've seen this in the basketball, in the NBA, that there's a lot of teams doing that at the moment, trading on players a year before their free agency starts because they'll get something much better then than they will at the end of but it, free yeah, agency.
0: It just seems to make a mockery of saying this is the point where things can happen. But yeah, there you go. Now, now we'll, yep. we'll do pick five. Okay. Everyone's but, been waiting for this. Right, this now, is coming. I
1: hope you've got pen and paper written down everyone. So, at the moment, Brisbane have got pick five. They want Locking Neil from Frio, who has apparently come out and said, I've played my last game for Frio. So, I'm not sure what he's going to do. Because Frio are playing hardball at the moment with, with everyone. So, they're annoying everyone. So, at the moment, um, Brisbane are going to give up pick five for This is in the ideal world, by the way. Yes. Chris's, yeah, ideal world, and everyone's ideal yeah. world. Pick five goes to Frio. Frio then give pick five to Melbourne. Yes, plus some. All of these are with extras, but yeah. we'll just follow pick five. So pick five goes from Brisbane to Frio. Frio to Melbourne for Jesse Hogan. Mm-hmm. So Jesse Hogan ends up in uh, Frio. Five to uh, five yep. to Melbourne. Yep. Five then goes to Gold Coast for Stephen May. Yep. Who hasn't come out and said he wants out, but all the talk is that basically he was going to wait until free agency and then go wherever he wanted to go anyway, which is, again, the end of next year. So, yeah, this pick could do a um, (laughs) a number of steps, which if that ends up being the case, then Gold Coast have two, three, and five. This then brings... It back to the Crows and Port, if they want to trade some of these picks that they've got, Gold Coast can trade one or maybe two of these knowing that they've still got a decent pick left on the table. They're not trading them and getting left with, if it's with the Crows, say, like 8, 13, 16, and 21. They might end up with... We, we're, talk, we're hearing that 3's up for grabs, so they might keep 2. So then they're left with 3 and 5 to to barter around with. So, if they trade with the Crows, they end up with 2, 8, 13, 16, and the Crows end up with 3 and Mm -hmm. 5, which I think is... Gold Coast still get a couple of good players. They still get quite a few first-rounders, and the Crows get two of the picks that they want, which there might be the two... There's out of the three South Australians, I would suggest that that two of them would end up there, mm-hmm. and maybe even a third at Port at pick six um, might still be an option, depending on what happens with who rates the Kings. So um, yeah, I, I love this time of the year. It's it's so um, it's so bitchy, and um, <laughs> Freo dropped a bit of a bombshell this week by sort of cracking it and saying they're not dealing for Hogan. Because um, Melbourne want too much; they want two first-round draft picks, and they don't think that's that's fair, and they're not prepared to do it. But then, in the same breath, have a crack at Brisbane for not giving up two first picks for for Lockie Neal, which I know midfielders are are important, but big centre half forwards, big tall marking forwards, I would have thought were a would be a higher price than a run-of-the-mill midfielder, which Lockie Neal is is above average when it comes to that. Probably unlucky to miss out on All-Australian selection this year, but each team's got two or three of these guns running around. They don't all have guns playing center forward, and Frio haven't had a decent marking target since Pavlich was 25. He's Like, it's... McCartney's done nothing since he's been there, and... um, Yeah, and Pavlich was was the old man running around for a lot of years. And Muir's, and I I can't even think of anyone else. So, um, yeah, Freo need to pull their digit out and and start playing the game. And Peter Bell, he seems to be the one that's taken over. He's now the list manager there, was on the board. Um, He wants to stamp his authority, but I think Peter Bell's playing a bit of look at me and look at the job I can do because I heard him say this week that if he can get Locky Neal to stay, that'll be a real feather in his cap, not Frio's cap, mm. which I sort of thought well, that's a bit of a tool thing to say. And now they're now with this action of pulling out on Hogan, which I know it's not Frio's – Frio do not care what happens to this pick five down the track, mm. but that's buttering up a lot of teams' plans. I think that's his thinking is that well, this pick is so important to a lot of teams down the – down the chain then we'll we'll play a bit of hardball and you can come back to us and, and give us what we want so Chris can I offer you a suggestion yes number one get a life
0: number two <laughs> do you I think it would be good for our listeners if you could do a quick sort of flow chart and put it on Facebook or Twitter so it does make sense but it probably
1: helps with a bit of a yeah it's, it's easy for us as we've got the numbers sitting in front of us so I can yeah, do that. I might I might whip something up this way. I'll see what I can do. <laughs> Probably the only person we haven't spoke about
0: is uh, Scully from GWS. Where, what's his future looking like?
1: Yeah, really weird. GWS seem to be doing a big salary dump this year. Mm. Lob looking like going to um, Frio. Dylan Shields nominated to go to Essendon. Whether that deal gets done. Scully, Hawthorne look to be playing the the Draft Kings again. Like yeah. They seem to be doing the right things at the right time. Yeah. Um, but I have heard that Saints are putting in a real um, bid for Scully, so don't necessarily think that the Scully to Hawthorne deals over the line. But I had heard, I read yesterday that GWS only want like a third-round pick for him. like It's something ridiculous mm. because they're just that keen to get rid of the salary. Yeah, right. They sort of figured they'd have a, a premiership by now and that if people left, it wasn't going to be the end of the world. They've back-ended a lot of contracts to... And now, yeah, the rumor I heard is they're like three million dollars over the mm. over the salary cap, so they need to get rid of some of these players to to do it. So, um, so clunk their premiership window closing closed. Well, or I still think is still they're, and she gone yet or no, no, nah, he just he's nominated Essendon, Essendon as his club of mm. choice. So, um, I don't know that Essendon have got a real lot to bargain with to get that. They're going to need to do some pretty nifty trading or. GWS are just going to have to take one for the team again and, and cop some pretty ordinary draft picks. Um, so, yeah, they sort of traded the farm last year to get Stringer, uh, Devin Smith and um, Saad. So they don't have a real lot to work with. So um, it'd be interesting to see what what happens on that front. As I said, we've got till Wednesday night. So expect nothing to sort of happen before about six o'clock Wednesday night and then helter-skelter, everything will happen. So... I'll, I'll put a prediction of what I think will happen and then we'll compare it with what actually happened, happens Wednesday night and we'll talk about it next week. Pick five. Remember that number. <laughs> that's the magic
0: number. <laughs> okay, it's time for cricket. And Australia took on Pakistan in Dubai. Chris, are you some, a... Some of the Australians did. Yeah, that's it. Are you a, a cricket purist in that a draw can be thrilling, exciting? Yeah,
1: this one was. Yeah. Definitely. Yep. Um, And if you had a look at John Holland in the last over, he was coming into bat next, and he looked like he was mighty relieved at the end of that last (laughs) over that uh, he didn't have to go into bat. So let's set the scene.
0: Basically, uh, Pakistan got off to a flyer, put up a a good first innings, didn't choose. Could they have made Australia follow on? I think it was. Yep, 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 definitely. Batted on, uh, batted again, set Australia at.
1: Lost yep. a couple of early wickets yeah. and sort of started to lose the momentum a bit. So they declared. So I think Pakistan made like 480. We were none for 140, got rolled for 200, mm. um, which I, I'll take the blame for this one. I flicked on and we were none for 140. I saw two balls, saw Finch get out, mm. and then watched the next six wickets and then turned it over because I, I couldn't handle it anymore. Yep. I was. I, I would, say that. I would
0: say that it is your fault. Clearly, Clearly. my fault. Yeah. Sporting
1: gods did not like me coming in and ruining it. Um, and then, yeah, we had them three for 40 overnight, and then they ended up sort of battling to six. Six for 180. Set us about 900 to win. I think it was 460 we needed to win. And then uh, another good opening partnership. Uh, I think just short of 100. Finch made 49 after 60-odd in the first innings. Um and then the marshmallows got out in like I think it's the same over they both made ducks and then it was looking a bit shaky for a while but um uh, Redbacks boy Trav Travis Head he batted on made 60, Seven, 70, 70 odd think, yeah, yeah. And he looked really good and then made the mistake of playing for spin on a straight one and uh, um yeah he was LB and then it looked a bit dicey for a little while but pain sort of set in um Kawaja made a ton his first one in Asia big deal about um being made about his inability to play spin mm-hmm. decided that the only way he could uh play the spin was reverse sweep <laughs> yep. and if you saw the way he swept normally and got out in the first innings which would look like basically you and me how we get out and beach cricket he tried to paddle the ball around the corner with literally zero effort and the ball just hit the top edge and popped up. You know, it was it was embarrassing. But then plays this reverse sweep like perfectly every time mm-hmm. and um, it got out late but yeah, it sort of required pain to back with the tail and um, in the end the game, was, the game was a draw. In an Aussie side that has shown that it, it can collapse over the
0: last couple of years, Kawaji made 226 of 477 balls over the the two innings so we need someone who can stick around Renshaw might be another one that could come in for the
1: he the only, second he test. was not on the ground for it was something ridiculous mm. like two and a half hours for the entire test between fielding and basically batting the entire time because he made 80 odd in the in the first mm. dig as well so um no hats off he he needed to do that now um,
0: over the journey of the podcast I felt you've been a bit ambivalent about Kwaja. have you changed your mind or you're feeling more love for him or
1: Uh, no, no, I was, like, I, he's one of those people that annoys me in that he just, he seems to, he, he's capable of making a lot of runs. My ambivalence is more probably towards the selectors is they, they wait till these guys make so many runs and then they're out of form and then they pick him, Mm. pick him while they're in the middle of making these runs. So you're at least cashing in while they're in form. But, um, look, he, he needs to do it. Like we don't the options are pretty slim on the ground now with with other players. And we've seen... We've talked about the squad a couple of weeks ago. It still drives me nuts. <laughs> You're about to... You just dropped a bomb on me right before we started taping that has just made me want to throw my foot... Throw my shoe through the computer screen. Well, b- before we get to that,
0: uh, I heard a very interesting theory by former Test Captain Steve Waugh who spoke about the fact that... Um, Warner and Smith aren't part of the side, it, it almost thrust Kwadra into a, a senior role that perhaps in the past, he's been the scapegoat. He's the one on the edge. If you're gonna make changes, out yeah, you go. Yeah. So there was a perhaps a, a shift in mindset for him that, well, let's, let's be brutal, that Head and um, Labashain are getting the chop before he does. There's a a, a more of a
1: trust factor yeah. Well it's he's he's tight. he's made runs uh, yeah. at all levels and forms of the game except in subcontinental conditions, yeah. which is basically what the UAE is.
0: I mean he's a pretty cool customer. He never gives that impression that he's worried about what others think or about
1: shortcomings in, in his game. There's but no highs or lows. It's no just
0: But yeah, rough. I thought that was He was really pretty
1: emotional afterwards, which is yeah. Oh that's good. I really like to see it. Like he was um after the game Um, And everyone recognised he he was the linchpin behind them salvaging that draw. Um, And he looked like he was getting pretty teary about it. Yeah. But, yeah, interesting comments from War. He felt like, yeah, a breakthrough
0: innings for a guy that, despite being pretty successful in in some areas, um, has has done it in Asia. Now, on Sunday, the, the Aussie team were training and there was talk that Mitch Stark might be... Rested with uh, India in mind. Uh, okay, I, I don't know how that. That's a good that plan. Could, who are they going to bring in for him? Yeah, so we've got Brendan Doggett. We've spoken about him before. Uh, who a quick bowler? Yep, that's done some things in his short career in, in Shield level. All right, that's 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 an option. Yep. Who's our other option? Uh, Michael Nisa or oh Nesser from no. the Adelaide Strikers. So he, he's
1: best known for his T twenty. For being slapped around the park in T20 mm. cricket. Like, oh man. Surely they've got someone else that can play. Mm. Surely there's someone in grade cricket in New South Wales that deserves a, a test spot that's yeah. taken a three for on the weekend that they can fly over as an emergency backup. Pick, if you're going to pick someone off, pick Billy Stanlake. At least he can yeah. bowl fast <laughs> like, and he's tall. So, yeah. I mean, the problem was over there, Stark got the ball swinging for about three overs and then it just. Turned into a big lump of turd that he was bowling. Yeah. And he had to wait for 30 overs for it to reverse swing, and then it wasn't really doing as much
0: as he wanted. But, hey, I mean, he might play, but that was sort of the speculation coming out of the Aussie camp. The second test starts... Pick another spinner. You know what, just bowl
1: bowl, Siddle and Lyon as the opening pair. Or, Mitch Marsh, you're not doing anything with the bat. You know what, try contributing to the team. Why don't you roll the arm over five overs get your rubbish out of the way so we can take a bit of shine off the ball and then we can get spin king John Holland in to really get his three revs a minute on the ball and see what magic he can produce.
0: A bit uh, off, the, off the track a bit, but would you ever contemplate watching a game where they superimpose crowd and noise? Because oh, man. it feels like you're watching... Park cricket
1: or shield every, cricket. Every game that's at that yeah. stadium has got, like, 50 people in there. Um, I still don't know why they do it. Like, who is that benefiting at playing it there? Like, mm. I don't know if it's... We want to play on the conditions that we would play in Pakistan. I don't know mm. if that's the reasoning behind it. I know that's where the ICC is based, but they used to play in England. At least there's a full Pakistani contingent of expats... Yes. In London. Play it in London. Like why play in front of fifty people? That's not growing the game. It's doing mm. nothing for test cricket. I can't imagine that it's the players would enjoy going out and playing hard test cricket in front of fifty people. That's ridiculous. Like and three quarters of them are family. Like mm. horrendous. Horrendous to watch.
0: Shall we turn our attention to Shield Cricket while, oh, yes, while we're talking about it? <laughs> Uh, so the the Shield campaign for the Redbacks starts on Tuesday at the Adelaide Oval versus New South Wales. This is a big test for SA this season. Given their, we'll call it success over the last two or three seasons, probably yeah, building. last year, but yeah, b- building form. Uh, there's no Travis Head. He's with the test side. Yep. There's no Alex Carey or
1: Adam Zamper. Because they've got a one-day game coming up in three months' time that yes. so they need to prepare yeah, for. Yeah, I'm it.
0: not quite sure, but the, the Redbacks have put out the squad and said those two are not available because of Aussie T20 commitments and uh, Frankie Worrell, the the swing bowler that's been a quite a regular with the side out with a back injury. So four players that you would expect makes SA a, a real competitive outfit, not
1: available for the first shield match. Um, yeah. I'd... I'd... <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen. Like The keeping, the Redbacks need to get used to this because this is going to be happening yeah. a lot. Um, and as good a job as Payne is doing, carries the future of the Australian cricket team in the wicket keeping sense, you would imagine, at this stage. So what they've got planned... Um, Nilsson, is it? That's yeah, Harry Nielsen, Yeah, the backup keeper. So um, he showed a bit of form in the one day. as looked... Capable, he's not a complete spud. So I think he even made it. Did
0: he make a shield
1: century late last year? We we'll have we we'll
0: have to Google that. Yeah, but he's a, he's handy with the bat.
1: Yeah, um, and then you look at the bowling lineup and you go, well, they're probably they're probably a bowler short. Mm. I think like a quality bowler short at the best of times anyway. Yeah. Um, so having Worrell out hurts, um, but Chad Sayers stock standard, you know yeah. what you're gonna get from him.
0: Manny and Richardson. They're all they're all experienced campaigners. Yeah. But Adelaide it, Oval's not We know. just don't
1: have that either out and out pace bowler or just really dangerous swing bowler. Sayers can do it, but Adelaide Oval's not conducive to the swing bowling. Um so and then I think we're always a batsman or two short, just every year. So um there's a lot of pressure coming on um Lehman and um, Ferguson Ferguson and the opener who I think should be considered Weatherald. Um, um I think they there's a lot of pressure going on them and then it's almost like a insert random player here for the rest of the batting lineup so um, yeah I think if they can if they can get solid contributions from those players all the time they'll be good. If those guys struggle, I think you'll see some pretty average results coming out of them.
0: Now, Adam Zappo, he'll probably played most of the season with the Redbacks, but a young bloke called Lloyd Pope. Now, if you if you don't know who Lloyd Pope is, now I'd say within a week or at least by midsummer, he's going to be a cult figure in SA cricket.
1: Yes. Um, so, for those of you who don't remember, took a I think eight for in a under nineteen w- under nineteen World Cup, and that was when Australia were in. Serious trouble when he came on, and spun to victory in that game. Just, just a massive wringer That's that's all you can say. He's just long, thick red hair. Yeah, think sideshow Bob, and you're probably well on the way to what you're going to get with uh, um, young Poppy, as I'm going to call him because yep. I don't know him so well. Um, but good bowler. Mm. Um, yeah, I think he'll be a fan favourite. Mm, and I think
0: we all get excited about Leggy Since Shame on, we're all hoping someone just. Tears the game apart.
1: Yes, he's the fifteenth next Shane Warne.
0: That's it. There was plenty of talk about him after. I mean, it's under nineteens, but an eight wicket haul against eight the old enemy is, is yeah. Yes, yeah. so That's good going. He's pretty excited about it. Um, broke the news to his mum during the week that possibly he'd get the red cap. So good luck to him.
1: Yeah. All right, that sound means one thing. It's time for Marcus's Whip Around. Now, what have you got? I believe you've got something special for us this week.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Earlier in the year, we were talking about the Winter Olympics and how we're trying to find something where I could represent Australia and, and possibly succeed. Well, I think I found it. Yes. It's called pickleball. Yes. Now, have you ever heard of pickleball? Before today, no. No. Well, it sounds like a new sport. It's actually been around since the 1960s. And what it is, is a cross between tennis Badminton and table tennis, and believe it or not, we've found an Australian website on it. Yeah, if you want to fall asleep, watch the video. <laughs> it's, it it sucks. Yeah, but yeah. we did find other vision uh, of the sport, and it kind of looks a bit like half court tennis. Half court tennis, but the ball is uh, it's a wiffle ball, a wiffle ball. So it's a bit more slow moving. It's
1: plastic, like it's one of those real hard, yep. cheap plastic balls that's got holes drilled in it, so that it doesn't fang through the air. Yeah, yep.
0: So. Apparently, it was someone wanting to play badminton, couldn't find their shuttle cock, and yep. went with a wiffle. wiffle. All, all humorous words <laughs> for a humorous sport. So, yeah, it, it's an interesting one. Get on YouTube, check out The Vision. A name like Pickleball, you can't really treat it seriously, can you? I don't know. I
1: don't know. I reckon if I won the the um, Pickleball World Championship, <laughs> I'd, I'd be claiming it. I'd be putting it on my LinkedIn page. Gee, world, hate- world champion pickleballer, gee, I'd hate to see the trophy.
0: Seriously. <laughs> now, now, talking of novel things, Usain Bolt. Yes, we've been divided on his input in the A League upcoming A League season, but he scored two goals. He did. One of them was a Belter. Yeah, I'll be. So honest. So this I didn't is the tra- second one. This is in a, a trial match against some under twelve team, that suburban under twelve blind school. But yep, the great Olympic sprint. King has uh, scored a couple of goals. I guess giving him some hope that there's a contract around the corner in the yeah, league.
1: The goal he did score, it took some skill to first control the ball and then the kit, the actual goal that he kicked was was a decent shot. Like he kept it low, it was hard. Um yeah, it didn't he didn't look out of place. Um, so I think he'll get a contract. I think he would have got one unless he was a complete spud, but mm. um, I think he would have got one but if you can give a guy, if you can give a thirty-five-year-old guy a contract based on one kick, then lock him in. The, the one thing I like—I saw the post-match interview. He's still—he's he, showing
0: the right amount of modesty about what he is and yeah, I think where so, he's I at. Going, yeah, uh, talking about um, running off the ball, learning the space that he needs to run into, things like that. So it shows that he knows that while he thought he was a great soccer player, that this has shown him that. The, the nuances of the game he's still working on.
1: Yeah, being good in a celebrity game is different to being good at actual soccer against other professionals. So like you said, he's showing the modesty um, and I kind of think that he's one of those people that has two sides. He's got the, the peacock, the alter ego that mm. everyone knows and loves, but I think there is an intelligent man um, behind that under the surface. So hopefully he's not too far down. <laughs> <laughs> that's about as much as soccer as I want to talk. Okay, okay. Now,
0: Red Cell wins the Everest for a second year in a row at Brandwick. Yep. Do you want to tell us, uh, run us through the race and then we can talk about uh, what became the bigger picture of uh, the race itself? Uh, the Karen McAvoy ridden Red Cell led the 1,200-metre feature from the early stages and uh, went on to record a victory. So yeah, that's what I was going to say. Exactly. Yep. Now, I've never seen a race... So overshadowed by the the lead up to it, well, yeah. I guess
1: it, apart from the Melbourne Cup, but this was a weird build up. I'll be honest, I'd never even heard of it. Like, I'm, there's all these races mm. that I'm, I'm like, I'm not a big horse racing nut. Like, I'll watch some of the big events when they're on, but um, yeah, I'd never even particularly heard of it until the hoo ha about advertising it on the um, Sydney Opera House this week became what seemed like an international yeah. incident. Um, I'm not a massive fan of them putting no. advertising on there. Like, I think there's certain things that you can do um, if there's... Like, I didn't necessarily have a problem with the with the yes and making it mo- um, for equal opportunity marriage and all that sort uh-huh. of stuff um, because I think as a... I don't want to sound stereotypical, but I think that the arts community would have a higher proportion of homosexuals and lesbians and, and so forth in there um, but I don't know what the Opera House has got to do with horse racing, and if they're just using it as a giant billboard, yeah. Then that's that cheapens what it is, and if that's your, um, if that's our number one advertisement for Australia, that's mm. the thing. That and the the bridge are the only two things that anyone ever sees of Australia um, in every ad, and you're going to put a whopping great big. Mm pretty average-looking add-on there, then no. Nah, now,
0: as much as we think sport is the centre of the universe, yes. it's for many, it, it's not, and I think you've got to be really sparingly using the Opera House to convey messages, and you, and you mentioned one of them. So yeah. I, I wonder, actually, if um, race organisers wondered if this would get through and, and thought, well, the publicity anyway that we've received, like the actual... Numbers on there wasn't that impressive, as you said. Mm. But the build-up and and the controversy was the real gold publicity
1: that that race got. And that comes down to the any publicity is good publicity. But, I mean, the good thing for the organisers was it didn't really... No one really looked badly upon them or even the advertisers for wanting to put it up there. It seemed to be more of a political standpoint of... How could the politicians let this ad go on there and they're the ones that are targeted and Alan Jones for thinking it's a great idea and um it just seemed to be the, the general um the same targets for for basically Twitter flogs that just get on and rip everyone um just gave them more ammo so
0: Massive prize money involved in this yeah. meet. Uh but it's still well behind Melbourne Cup Cox Plate, so they've got a lot of work to do to make it the
1: the premier race that I still they think, want it to be. Yeah, if you put in Melbourne, it would get one hundred and twenty thousand people mm. there. I don't know why. I don't know how people don't recognise that Sydney siders are not big sports attenders. Mm. None of their events get big numbers to it. So why do they put these big events there um, when no one watches it? Go send them down to Melbourne, or send them around, send them to Brisbane. Like Brisbane are always Brisbane think that they're Sydney number two. So why not give them some big event that will let sixty thousand people go to it, rather than probably twenty thousand people. At I don't even know where it was. It was a Randwick? Yep, sounds about right. Yeah. So, hey, yeah. Uh, let's
0: turn to rugby league. Yes, uh, the Kangaroos thirteen games in a row against New Zealand came to an end.
1: Mm. Bugger. Yes. The big three were out, JT, um, Billy Slater and um, Cam Smith no longer playing in the Australian team. Um, I hear that it's like a star-studded team, but it doesn't have those those big names that everyone's sort of grown accustomed to. And I don't know. I think any team that's got Cherry Evans in it is probably not that good anyway. So, um, yeah, I'd... I think there's a lot of egos in that team and, yeah, if you don't if you don't play like it, it's all very well and good to have a good ego if you can play with that ego. But first game without these stars, maybe knuckle down and get the job done and build up your own personal profile before you start giving a bit of a, look at me. <laughs>
0: now, the result, it ends up um, in the whip around of our podcast. It shows yeah. where we're placing it in the whole scheme of sport, but I'm sure... New Zealand's celebrating um, their first win over Australia since the
1: 2015 ANZAC test. Um, now, on a separate note, but related to that, yeah. I'm going to put a, a link up. Have a look at the under 21s mm. game, a scorpion kick. Now, a scorpion kick, if you remember, got the uh, A League goal of the year last year, where you kick the ball from behind you and it goes, like you basically use your heel and it goes back over the top of your head. Incredibly hard to do in soccer. I would have thought impossible to get a situation where it would happen in rugby, but a guy actually did it from New Zealand on purpose and it ended up resulting in a try for them. So he's running, he's about to be tackled, goes to what looks like a behind-the-back pass, but just basically drops the ball on the back of his heel, chips, kicks it over the incoming defender, and he runs past him and whips it off and, and try. So... I can't do it justice here but I will put a link up and uh and we'll put it up there for for all of you to see. Now, excellent.
0: Now I've got the whip in hand and for this last little bit I'm going to hand it to you because American sports in that sort of transitional period. Yep. Run us through what's ending and what's starting.
1: All right, so we've got the baseball playoffs. Um, So we've got the American League and the National League Championship Series going on at the moment. Um, We've got the Brewers and the Dodgers um, that are one-all at the moment in a best-of-seven series. And then we've got uh, the Houston Astros playing the Boston Red Sox. And as we're looking at it now, looks like uh, Houston Houston have a 4-2 lead in the top of the night at the moment. So things not looking great for the Red Sox at the moment. But there's some big hitters in that, that side of things. So uh, that'll be a really good uh, series to watch. Now, we've got basketball. The NBA starts this week. We've seen a lot of preseason games over the last couple of weeks. And this week we saw LeBron's Lakers take on the Warriors, um, with the Lakers actually getting over the line. But a couple of stars missing from the Warriors. Um, Draymond Green didn't play. Boogie Cousins obviously still injured at the moment with his Achilles, so he may not roll out till sort of well into the season. But um, uh, Lake is sort of trotted everyone out, and they didn't look too bad. So still can't—I still think that they're a couple of shooting options short. But um, and there's a lot of lot less defensive intensity in a preseason game. But um, I, I think that they they might make the playoffs, but I think they'll fall into like eighth spot. So I'm um, just having a look this week some of the. Um, good games in the first couple of days. Wednesday we've got Warriors taking on Thunder, um, so that is um, a bit of a grudge match um, with Kevin Durant coming Kevin Durant coming from Thunder, still a bit of animosity there. We've got Celtics and the Seventy ers who some people think that'll be a an Eastern Conference playoff um, title contenders. Thursday we've got the Rockets and the Pelicans and the Raptors taking on what's left of the Cavs after LeBron left. Friday uh, is LeBron's first game for the Lakers taking on the Trailblazers, and Saturday we've got some really good games it's Jazz and Warriors Raptors Celtics Clippers and Thunder so um and that's all Australian times um those those days so if you get a chance and you've got uh, some room on your FoxTel IQ then maybe tape a couple of those games and check them out cuz they should be pretty good Hey Chris still on basketball I- I must admit I took a little bit of delight
0: out of uh, Andrew Bogut, Sydney Kings going down <laughs> to the Adelaide thirty sixes. So much publicity about the NBA star coming to Australia and being part of the local league. I had a, I had a real strong feeling that was going to happen because pretty much uh, I would expect Sydney media are pretty much putting them as NBL champion. But yeah. you can't win it with
1: just one guy. No, well, th- but they don't have one guy. They've got a whole bunch of guys. Mm. And... They still lost, so Bogut, 14 rebounds, that's good. Six points, not going to get it done. There's no one in the NBL who can compete with him, so plonk the big dude under the ring and throw the ball up to him and let him just body everyone else out of the way. It's not that hard a game plan. I'd Yeah, I heard Andrew Gaze talk this morning. Yeah. I'd, I've got some serious concerns about <laughs> his his coaching prowess. An absolute superstar player, yeah. but and his dad was a good coach. Doesn't mean he's a good coach, and with the stu- with the talent that he's had over the last couple of years, if they finish, if they don't make playoffs this year, that's a waste. Mm-hmm. Um, they've had a couple of decent teams. He so. did
0: mention they will be the hunted all season. Everyone will want that scalp of um, bringing down Andrew Bowie, whoever's up against him. So
1: yeah.
0: Yeah. I don't think it'll take much, to be honest. But
1: there you go,
0: Chris. It's good to be back on the Gumshoe Sports Report. Uh, We're going to sort of do a bit of a rotating roster a bit, so I'll be on the show here and there, so it's going to be good.
1: Yeah, so I I think there'll be four, we're looking at this stage, Mm. people rotating through. Not entirely sure on the day. that We might change the days up as well, but um, just for those of you who do want to listen on the way in Monday morning, this one will be up, but um, we're looking at maybe doing it Monday, maybe Tuesday, so that we get all the all the weekend sport covered. So, um, but we'll keep you posted as we as we uh, make some more decisions. So, welcome back, good to have you back. Thanks. We'll see everyone next week.